for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. So wake me up when it's Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday, September 2nd. Thanks for joining us here on the big show. 707 on your Saturday morning. I am, of course, Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd. Your host for this excursion into broadcast, excellent. Thanks for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here every Saturday morning from 7 to 8. Just a reminder, new uh, espresso version of Saturday Morning Coffee. Hope you guys are enjoying the condensed format. If uh, you would join us, we invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. We're here to talk about the news, current events, everything happening in this crazy world that we live in. Here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we're all about limited government folks is there even such a thing anymore at any level state local or federal uh we're here to 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 help us uh know what you need to know learn what you need to learn and be informed folks knowledge is power it's the first step we've got a country to save and it's up to us uh to save it we've got a lot of work to do folks i'm i'm firmly believing that 2024 is an inflection point for this country and do we survive or not it's up to us joined here in the studio as always by producer extraordinaire dr glenn die dr die how are you doing this morning doing pretty awesome reese pretty man this weather is amazing <laughs> i know nothing nothing like a storm to uh, yeah. flush things out uh adelia idalia adelia idalia you say idalia i say adelia tomato tomato yeah but yeah she uh Pushed everything out. The sky, you know, this we were talking about this on the list show on Friday. Sky is always very clear after a hurricane. Mm-hmm. It's like all the disruption, all the yep. craziness, and the the storm blows through, and then it's always just super clear, unbelievable. And drawing that nice cool air down from oh, the north, yeah. and I tell you, the uh, you know those beautiful turquoise uh, waters that we saw for almost a month, really, before the storm. Uh, I was at the beach yesterday. They they have disappeared. Um, still pretty clear though. For still pretty clear after a, after a storm. Not too shabby. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, uh, Glenn, is we did have some beautiful uh, weather this summer, hot summer. Yeah. But the be- beaches were beautiful. The water was beautiful. But it, there's the, the first hint of fall in the <laughs> yeah. air all of a sudden after the yeah. Adalia. And I'm thinking, I'm kind of ready for this. I'm ready for fall. I'm ready for things to cool off a little bit. And the temperatures, I mean, it's like in the 80s, you're feeling, wow, this is, yeah. you know, it's comfortable. Yeah. And, and, and so, and I think this morning, you know, Saturday morning, it's 62 degrees in Myrtle Beach we got down to. So that's pretty remarkable for the first of September. Oh, yeah. You know, first couple of days of September. Normally, this is the best time to be at the beach, really, September, October. Uh, and sometimes into November. It's still and a great time to be at the beach. Football is back. Yep. So that's always a plus, great benefit to this time of year. Yep. So whether you're a Carolina fan, a Clemson fan, or a coastal Carolina fan, it's an exciting time of year. Fit, football kicking back up, high school football uh, back in full swing. So, yeah, it's a great, uh, great time. How about the commanders? There's a lot of people that are signing a petition to uh, regain the Redskins name for the commanders. Yeah, I, I told him just put a potato, a red skin potato on your helmet, and you are the Redskins. You are the Redskins. Yeah. Change the mascot. Well, yeah. you know, interestingly enough, 
Glenn, I saw an interview with a Native American. There's a lot of support yeah. within the Native American community yeah. who ostensibly those were the folks that we did this for to begin with because yeah. we're offending them apparently yeah. by you know appropriating their cultural identity putting it on a football helmet and they're like no this was a this was a badge of honor for us you know this was something that we were proud of i think anyone that is indian that's in tune with their culture has nothing to do with wokeness <laughs> nothing nothing no they're not I, I think there's a certain like any other any other community there's a certain diversity of opinion yeah and we all tend to listen to the voices that resonate with our own beliefs that's a natural tendency but yeah yeah i'm i've seen quite a few interviews from indian chiefs tribal leaders even there was one interview i don't have it in front of me i didn't i didn't clip it but the specific interview was like one of the 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 specific chief that is portrayed that is the washington redskins mascot uh, it was that same tribe or the descendants of that tribe that were that were being interviewed, and they support the use yeah, yeah. of of the likeness on the uh, on the helmet as the mascot. And somebody was joking on, I think it was Fox, that all the mascots now are white guys. So you know, it's like the supposedly the guys who were responsible for all this evil to begin with have now monopolized the mascot position wow. in the NFL. So we, you know, how can that be fair? How can that be? Uh, appropriate you but. remember growing up we had that very prominent indian in what make america beautiful or keep america beautiful remember he had the tear in his eye coming down oh yeah yeah the anti-litter campaign yeah, yeah and it absolutely was, it was very powerful oh it was know? yeah <laughs> nobody who uh you know remembers that from their childhood ever forgot it i mean right. it, or nobody who remembers it ever forgot it of course but nobody who ever saw that you know and it sticks with you and i'm not a litterer are you a litterer no no we don't litter no, we don't we litter recycle and try you know put our trash where it belongs and all that but lou holtz also taught us not to litter in uh, in south carolina he uh, started the palmetto pride program he came to south carolina and said there's too much litter on the highways yeah. here so he, that was before pride meant pride didn't yeah it? that was before pride was the other pride the other yeah. that was the other pride that was yeah. when pride was just Pride, pride. With, yeah. a little, with a little P. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so, a lot to talk about here on Saturday Morning Coffee, folks. So much going on. Of course, we invite you guys to uh, participate in the program. You can email the show, SMC at gmail.com. That's SMC at gmail.com. You can also call uh, during ordinary business hours. We've actually moved to a, a pre-recorded format here for Saturday morning coffee. So we're actually taping the show the Friday before. I'll, I'll share you in, let you guys in on that little secret. Probably shouldn't even do that. I'm, I'm sure many of you have called me and said, I didn't even realize the show was pre-taped. But you can't dial in at the moment. We are pre-taping uh, today's episode. But you can call Davis and Boyd anytime you have any comments, questions, suggestions for show topics. Always enjoy talking to listeners of the show. We have quite, quite a few of you who call into the office from time to time. Davis and Boyd, Attorneys at Law, that's the day job, Monday through Friday. You can often find me there. That number is 843-839-9800, 843-839-9800. Actually got a little legal. The, the stack is so tall, uh, Glenn. One of, the, one of the things that we I'm experiencing since we decided to transition for the summer, for the two from the two hour to the one hour format, is my stack just grows every yeah. week. So you, I've got a, a whole a, like a ton of newsprint that I'm. Well, you drive a truck. You should just put yeah, it all just in one of those. Throw wagons. it in the back. 
I need a I need a uh, I need a garbage. I was uh, gonna say a wagon to pull into. Yeah, the I need studio. I need a wagon. But yeah, one of the things is a a legal update. Not sure if we'll get to it, but some interesting stuff happening on the estate planning front. But one of the things, a uh, lot to talk about here today. We've got uh, Andre Bauer going to be talking to Andre Bauer. Andre is the spokesman for the uh, Trump for President campaign here in South Carolina, and of course. One of the things that we've seen so much uh, focused attention on this week is the infamous mugshot, the mugshot heard around the world. It's already raised $10 million. Has raised the president $10 million, <laughs> or the former president $10 million. So a lot to talk about there. I think actually, Glenn, what we see there is the, the, the arch of overreach mm-hmm. finally tipping the scale for a lot of people. Yeah. And you see a lot of people who are pushing back, saying, "No, this is this is just too far." You know, Alan Dershowitz. I heard him an interview with him, and Alan Dershowitz is no political friend of, you know, Donald Trump. He's right. not a conservative. He right. is a he's a classical liberal, is what I would call Alan Dershowitz. And he said, "Look, I've got a, I'm adopting a banana scale, and I'm giving these various." Uh, efforts by the DOJ and the state prosecutor in Georgia, bananas. And he said, I think we're up to about six or seven bananas. And, and, and it, of course, the reference is to a banana republic. Mm-hmm. He said, when you get to 10 bananas, we've lost the republic. And, and I think we're really at that point where people realize it doesn't matter if you like Donald Trump or not. Glenn. Right. It, this is about the rule of law. Mm-hmm. This is about prosecutorial discretion. This is about, do we have a constitutional republic or are we governed by a small group of people that are secretly pulling the strings behind the curtains oh yeah yeah and it, it kind of gets back to your point why did the why did the whole effort to undermine the washington redskins and their mascot why did that come unglued glenn and why is why is there an urge now to return to some normalcy? Normal, <laughs> yeah, you know. Normalcy. Why is there so? Why? Because so much of these things on the political and the cultural landscape are driven by a very small people, a very small minority, uh, a small portion of the population that think they know better, that think they know how the rest of us should run our lives. Yeah. So. So we got a lot to talk about, folks, here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Hope you will stick with us. All that and much more coming up on this episode of Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Do not leave town. Let me tell you about one of our favorite sponsors here at Saturday Morning Coffee. Of course, we're talking about Conway Ford. We love all our sponsors at Saturday Morning Coffee, but we certainly love Conway Ford. Conway Ford is your hometown dealer. They're the winner of the Ford President's Award, where you'll always find smiling, friendly faces, great selection, excellent customer service, and the best buying experience in the area. The Conway Ford buying experience is better than their competitors. They guarantee it. And they're so excited to finally have a great selection of inventory on the lot. Broncos, Broncos Sports, Mustangs, Ford F-150s, you name it. If you're looking at it, uh, looking for it, you can find it at Conway Ford and they'll help you put, put you into the Ford of your dreams. So check them out. It's Church Street in Conway. Folks, it's worth the short drive if it's a short drive for you or even a long drive. It's worth the trip because it's the best 
car buying experience to put yourself in that new Ford of your dreams. Check them out, Church Street in Conway, and tell them you heard about it on Saturday Morning Coffee. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Thanks for sticking with us here on The Big Show. We'll be talking in the next segment to Andre Bauer with the Donald Trump for President campaign. Hope you guys will stick around for that. Glenn, last week we were talking about some Starbucks offerings. Of course, we mentioned fall being in the air. Of course, fall means pumpkin spice. Yeah, it's already out, yeah. You had your, spunk, your, your first pumpkin spice of the season yet? I, I have not. I haven't yet, either. No. I haven't either. You know, one thing I laughed, though, I, I told you on the on the show last week, I do not order a coffee drink at Starbucks that takes more than four words to describe it. <laughs> okay. And so I started thinking about all the things that I might like to try at Starbucks, and I said, I got I to gotta make sure my rule is enforceable, and I haven't, I haven't broken it yet. But I have, I must say, I saw somebody order something this week at starbucks that caught my attention i saw somebody order the iced apple crisp oat milk shaken espresso mm. so that's a a lot of words yeah and, and iced milk. apple crisp oat milk mm. shaken espresso mm. but i have to say it looked awfully yummy so yeah, i don't, I you guys, I don't know if you guys have tried that but i might be worth i might have to bend my own rule that was i, I asked her <laughs> i said what is that and she said, it's an iced apple crisp, oat milk shake, and espresso. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's too many words. Yeah, you know, instead of that, I'd rather have, like, a mold spice cider or something, yeah. you know, that's got some booze in it. Or, yeah. Like, last night I did a— Well, it's um, kind of hard to do booze when you're on your way to the office. Yeah, so true, but that's I a did— cha- That's well, a challenge. There, if you're not in radio, it is. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, but if you—last um, if you uh, I, last night I sat by the fire pit, basically, with a cigar and a little bit of bourbon oh. because it was so nice and cool last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. And my daughter went home. And it's like quiet now, so I quiet in the house. Yeah, put my feet up for a little bit. Well, you should call me. I'm always up for a, a cigar. And those, a those, you know, fall nights by yeah, the fire pit are really nice. So one of the things we've been talking about, Glenn, lately on the show, we've had a couple, and I've been getting some emails about this. Is the uh, is the climate agenda? And here again, Glenn, just to tie all this together, folks, you see these themes that run through all the stories that we talk about, whether we're talking about the Washington Redskins or the manipulation of the political process, turning us into a seven, eight banana, nine banana, banana republic day by day. You see the manipulation of the majority of the whole by a small group of insiders who think they know better. Mm -hmm. And I think, Glenn, we see more and more evidence of this climate. And I, you know, again, back to the debate. We talked about it last week. Back to the debate. I give kudos uh, to Vivek Ramaswamy when he was the one guy on the stage who had the, the, uh, the courage to stand up and say climate change is a fraud. And as I've shared many times on on this program in the past, you know, one of the one of the things that I have been so surprised by uh, being involved in politics, uh, running for office, is when I have been confronted by people who are so dogmatic, uh, Glenn, who have this religious fervor about the cl- the, the 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 crisis, quote unquote. Y- y'all don't see the air quotes. The crisis 
that they see climate change to be. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we've consistently said is, look, these people are using this agenda. Once you buy into the narrative that climate change is real and it's an existential threat uh, to the country, to the, to the world, to the globe, to the planet, then they can use that agenda to get into every single aspect of your life. And people say, oh, no, you're overblowing it. You know, they're not actually going to they don't actually care about what you eat. No, they do. No, they do. They yeah. care about what you eat. They want to control what you eat. They want to control drive. what you drive. Mm-hmm. They want to control how far you can drive to get to work, <laughs> how far you can drive to get to school. They want to control every aspect of your life. And it's not. And listen, it's not hyperbole to say that. I'm not exaggerating. I was reading. I caught this in The Economist, Glenn. Not known for uh, being a, a, a flaming conservative publication by any stretch of the imagination. But here's the way uh, they phrase it, Glenn. Beef emits, <laughs> beef emits, yeah, I yeah. love it. Beef emits 31 times more CO2 per calorie of food than tofu does. Oh, wow. Yeah. By cooking so many cows, humans are cooking themselves too. Forgoing steaks may be one of the most efficient ways to reduce our carbon footprint. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a link to a long story. Treating beef, this is really, it's, I'm not sure that they're making this without any humorous intent, but there's no humorous intent, Glenn. They say treating beef like coal would make a big dent in greenhouse gas emissions. So just like they've, you know, many of you remember there used to be a coal-fired electric plant. Mm-hmm between Conway and right Myrtle there. Beach, right yeah. there on 501. Yeah. They, they did away with coal. They said, no, you can't. So now we have a, an electric grid. We're trying to charge all these electric vehicles, by mm-hmm. the way, with an electric grid that is much less resilient. We had the famous episode in Texas where all the windmills froze up and people mm-hmm. literally froze to death. So we have an electric grid that's... But just, just in the same way that they wanted and did succeed in doing effectively away with coal in the U.S., they're they're going to do away with beef yeah. if they if we let them and and the interesting thing, Glenn, is you see today where are all those coal fired plants? They're in China, mm-hmm. they're, where they are belching India, out yeah. emissions and producing cheap, efficient electricity, mm-hmm. and the planet is still uh, dealing with these emissions. It's just that they're not here; right. they're elsewhere. They're in other places on the globe. But you see this again and again. I saw this from the Epoch Times. By the way, we had a long discussion on Liz's show yesterday. Pronunciation. Whether you pronounce it epoch or epoch, epoch. some of the people who work for the paper will say epoch, folks, but it is not epoch. There is uh, one correct pronunciation. It's epoch, but... Uh, Wasn't this, epoch a rapper? I think... I th- are you thinking of Tupac? Oh, Tupac. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think you're thinking of epoch. I think his epoch, brother was epoch. Epoch Shakur. Yeah, epoch brother. Shakur. Tupac. Yeah. <laughs> the climate agenda awash in pseudoscience. Nobel laureate says, Nobel winner on climate change. Nobel Prize winning physicist John Clauser isn't afraid to go against the flow. In a July 26 interview with the Epoch Times, Clauser explained that he carried out his early research on quantum mechanics against opposition from some in the field. Talks about his background in physics. But basically what he says is the climate agenda is awash in, uh, in pseudoscience. It's not real science. This, and, and I noticed this more recently, Glenn, 1600 this is also where is this from i'm not even sure this is from uh, oh this is from just the news this is just uh, this is just a couple of days ago glenn i didn't mark the date on this this is from august 31 more than 1600 scientists including two nobel laureates declare climate emergency a myth yeah 
The global coalition of scientists that say politics and journalistic frenzy has propelled a doomsday climate change hysteria. Ding. Give them a ding for that. The signatories also ask other scientists to address uncertainties and exaggerations in their predictions of global warming. Coalition of 1,600 scientists from around the globe has signed a declaration stating that there is no climate emergency. Ding, ding again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll say this. I, I say the same thing today that I ask about that I said about this when I asked about this several years ago which my, my belief has not changed Glenn right I think the the science climates fluctuate climates do change yeah. Nikki Haley said climate change is real um, climate does change right. you see long-term historical cycles in many many climatic variables but whether global warming is real whether we are on a long-term trend, that is trending up to the extent that it is an ex- existential threat is by far from settled science. It is not a settled matter. It's still an open debate that we have to continue to watch and continue to study and want, continue to learn. But they want to climb an emergency so they can tell you that you can't drive to vote and we have to mail in our, bo- our yeah. ballots. And, no. and yeah. Continuing, <laughs> continuing to study, continuing to study the issue is not sexy. No, and Maui, because continuing to study the issue does not allow you to control people's lives. And you know, Maui was a hundred percent climate change. Oh yeah, oh absolutely, hundred yeah, There's never yeah. been a clear evidence <laughs> yeah. that the earth is the earth is on fire, Glenn. Yeah. Literally, yeah, unbelievable, folks. Uh, stick with us. We'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee after these words from our sponsors. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Do not leave town. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. My baby's gone away. I hope not. It's a little John Hyatt for you there on your Saturday morning, folks. Hope you're enjoying the show. Joined uh, on the program this morning, as promised, by one of our very special guests. You know, we've had several representatives of the presidential campaigns on the show. Right now, we're pleased to speak with one of my favorites, simply because he's an old friend and uh, a South Carolina native. We're talking to Andre Bauer this morning, who is a South Carolina spokesperson for the Donald Trump for President campaign. Andre is a former lieutenant governor of South Carolina, knows a ton about South Carolina politics, knows more about South Carolina politics in five minutes than most of us will know for the rest of our lives. But nonetheless, uh, it's always great to talk to him uh, on subjects political and otherwise. Andre, welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. Hey, Reese. Good to see you. First thing we, we need to really talk about is I don't know why they call Tupac Tupac. <laughs> he, he should have been called One Pac. One Pac, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Three Pac, but yeah, One Pac is, yeah. 
That's a very good question, Andre. Yeah. In 1994, that cost him one of his pops. Yep. Yep. That's very true. We um, we uh, have a lot uh, a lot of water under the bridge since then. It's it's you think about him. And it talk about cultural impact, and you think, well, that that wasn't that long ago. But you're like, wait a minute, you're getting, <laughs> yes, that was a while that was a while ago, and you're getting yeah. older. Moby We're Dick getting was older. Was a back then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, uh, Andre wanted to chat with you. I, what is your official title? With and by the way, welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for joining us on uh, on your Saturday morning. I know you got a thank lot you, going thank on. Thank you. Um, what uh, what is your official role with the Trump campaign? I am the senior advisor for South Carolina to Trump campaign. Okay, very good. I um I appreciate you again spending some time with us. There's been a lot happening on the campaign uh, on the on the legal front. You know, it's it's interesting, Andre. I feel like we hit a tipping point this past week with the coverage that I saw and sort of the man on the street interviews that I saw on several of uh, of the you know the Fox and then some of the OAN and some other. Uh, channels that I follow, but it seems as though that this this moment, this this uh, I call it the mugshot heard around the world. This moment where they forced a former president to go stand in the Fulton County Jail for a mugshot, Andre. And and as I tell people, whether you whether you like Donald Trump or not is irrelevant. But the point being, if they can do this to Donald Trump then nobody in this country is safe from uh, prosecutorial indiscretion, you know? And, uh, but I feel like we've rounded the corner. I feel like a lot of people who weren't engaged or weren't uh, opinionated, let's say, have formed opinions now that said, look, this has gone too far. What are your thoughts? I think you are exactly right. I'm hearing more and more folks that really – we're not Trump fans, but and and I think that's why you're seeing the numbers substantially go in his favor. Um, I've got folks that have told me that they weren't big Trump fans, but that that this has made them more inclined to be paying attention. Number one and number two, it's made them realize there's only one person that really will fight back. If you don't believe it, I, you know I'm gonna try to make my make it a point not to call out other candidates, but there have been other candidates running for office that came out with a position, and within 24 hours, they did a 100% 180 because of pushback from either big donors or their surrounding group. And so at the end of the day, do any of these folks have a core, or is it all about making sure that you don't offend people that make big donations to you? And I'm concerned, and of course all of us formulate a lot of our opinions by what news we're watching or what information we're garnering, but it seems more and more the decisions made in this country are based on who the big donors are. And it's sad to hear that, but if you look at whether it was health, the water we drink, you know, do we really need fluoride in our water? Um, whatever direction you look at the government, it just seems that more and more of these decisions on the federal level are made purely based on what moves dollars. And it's sad that it really, again, pushes why we need term limits so badly. Um, and one can say, well, you have term limits every four years, every two years, every six years. That sounds great in theory. But when United States senators for small rural states are raising over $100 million, there's something going on. 
where they're not raising it, raising it from small donations, and they're not raising the vast majority of it in the state that they serve. And so if people are giving you over $100 million, there's no question they expect something in return. And so our system now is so flawed. And the one guy that has punched back, and look, I wouldn't do everything the way he does it. Nobody would. All of us are different. But you, sure. it once in a lifetime, you find somebody that has the punch back. This guy does, and you look. You can you can pick out his flaws and say I don't like this, this, or this. But at the end of the day, we are electing a CEO to run the largest corporation in the world, and to make decisions not only about how it affects us financially, physically, our health, our health of our children, where our education system goes, where the focus of the country goes, but it also decides how many young men and women we're going to send to other countries to lose their life to fight for certain things. Yes. Amen. And if these decisions are made, and it's not just this past administration, it's not just the past 10 years, and it's not just the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, it's both parties. You can look back at the history of this country, and decisions have been made that could be questionable what the reason was for being there, whether Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq. You go through the list, and and if you if you get feisty and say, hey, you shouldn't have those conversations, then you're part of the problem. The reason why we broke up from the motherland was we wanted a different form of government. And our forefathers came up with a pretty good, darn good landscape of how to do that. But one of the healthy things about the whole process was, number one, they wanted a freedom of the press. They wanted people that were independent to go out and call out and fact check, which sadly that's going away. Fortunately, we have shows like yours that at least let, let people have a voice. I will debate anybody in the country. Look, there's people a lot smarter than me, and they can give you all the legal whatever jargons. But at the end of the day, the healthy process is for debate. You and I know that. I served in the legislature, both branches, and it was healthy. I actually at one time spent two years with Kamala Harris, and we had spirited debates for two years all around the world about politics. Our politics actually differed vastly, as you can imagine. Sure. But we were cordial. We had good debates. And there were times when she gave me a different perspective. I can remember us being in Israel and having a sit-down debate with some of their political leaders there. And there were times when I went, okay, I can understand based on her life experiences, based on what she's gone through, based on her background, why she feels that way. And there have even been times when I've had arguments from the other side, and I said, I'll vote for that based on X, Y, or Z. And I did. And there have been times when I voted across party lines because I thought that they had a, a reasonable perspective because I represented a, a suburban community and they represented a rural community. I didn't understand the impact because I hadn't lived. I hadn't seen that perspective. And so that's what makes our system strong, and it makes it healthy. So whether you want to question the uh, effectiveness of a vaccine or whether you want to question the uh, – the truthfulness of an election, those are healthy discussions. And if the other side, whatever side that is, that I were debating said, we want to engage in this discussion because we don't feel like we're being treated fairly, we don't feel like government's going in the right direction, that's the spirit of this country. So anytime we shut down debate, it's not healthy. And you can say, well, I don't want to have this debate. The problem is it sets precedence for further debates on other topics. And so Trump is the one guy that said, no, we're going to have this debate. And even when his own party wouldn't support him, I don't know if you remember back in 2010, but I talked about stray cats. And it wasn't in any way to demean anyone. It was taken out of context. But Mm -hmm. the conversation was, we started with FDR, but clearly with Johnson, 
on uh, greater society. And that greater society may have been very well intended. Mothers without a father in the home, somebody needs to help these folks, folks that have done better willing to help that. The problem was it institutionally created a much bigger problem than there ever was. It broke up the family unity Amen. in so many communities. Yeah. And to this day, that's still a big problem. Trump called it out in the last, in 2016, he said, what have you got to lose? He engaged in the discussion and said, hey, the only way we're going to fix these problems is have the difficult discussion. So whether you like Trump or not, he fixed a lot of problems. He didn't send young men and women off to die for this country. We got our financial house in order. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of unbelievable things that happened. And so he calls conversations that aren't comfortable, but they're conversations that we really need to change where we're going as a country. Amen. You know, it, it's so true, Andre, and you covered so much there. There's so many points I want to I want to I want to take note of because there's so many good points you covered there. But yes, debate is critical. Whether we're talking about an election, you have to be able to debate the results of an election. You have to be able to talk about these things. And that's the problem. There is a very powerful government, a very powerful deep state that seems to have this idea. No, we're not going to debate this. It's not even subject to debate. And you can't, that's not a free country. You can't, we can't have the, uh, absence of the no ability to debate any of these things and still say that we live in a free country so hey and we, everybody should be concerned about no matter amen. what political persuasion you are we've got to pay a few bills real quick andre take a quick commercial break can you hang with us through a, a break absolutely okay we'll be right back folks we're talking to andre bauer who is a senior advisor to president trump in south carolina we'll be right back with more andre bauer and more saturday morning coffee i'm reese boyd do not leave town Everybody, welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. We are talking to Andre Bauer this morning here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Andre is a senior advisor to President Donald Trump and the Trump for President campaign. Andre, thank you for spending a little bit of your time on Saturday morning with us here on the show. Thanks, thanks so much for doing that with us. Absolutely. Uh, so, just before the break, you you had a, a little point there where you where you covered several uh, excellent points, Andre. I wanted to ask you about the debate. You know, you were talking about Republicans, and I say this, I say this is the, you know, the chair of the local Republican Party here in O'Ree County, but, you know, Republicans don't totally get a free pass on all of this. You were talking about some of the decisions that have been made over the years. The parties have been, in, you know, both uh, complicit in varying degrees from time to time in some of these decisions. And you talked about the need for term limits. I'll give you, you know, I didn't ding you at the time, but I'll give you a ding. I think we need term limits uh, in this country. When you've got people like Mitch McConnell, and and Mitch is a Republican, but when you've got people like Mitch McConnell, Dianne Feinstein, who are clearly, they've been there way too long, clearly not able to, uh, to function, um, you know, we, we we may also need to look at mandatory retirement ages, but I think term limits are an idea whose time has come 
But one of the th- one of the things I thought about the debate, you know, I heard there was a question at the debate where Donald Trump was not there. I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Obviously, I don't think he needed to be there. He's so far ahead in the polls. But they were asking um, Oliver Anthony about the song that he's become so famous for recently, Rich Men North of Richmond. And he said, you know, I wrote that song about a lot of politicians, including the politicians that were on that stage. So, you know, it's not like uh, he wrote that song just about Joe Biden. But uh, what would uh, what do you think Donald Trump thinks about Oliver Anthony and, and rich men north of Richmond? Well, at the end of the day, I don't know that Donald Trump is full on Republican. And, and I know I'll get dinged for that later. Donald Trump was a businessman. Yeah. And he looked at the two parties. I don't if you look at Donald Trump before he ran for office. He was a businessman. He worked with folks on both sides of the aisle, as most business folks do, because that's what you have to do to get things done. Mm-hmm. When he started looking, and yet when Oprah interviewed him, he said, if things ever got bad enough, and that was many years ago, and things got bad enough, but I think if, at the heart of Donald Trump is he is a red-blooded American who grew up in a country where you had pride in your country. You knew this was the greatest country in the world. You loved it, and you fought for it, and you cared about it. And he saw things going in a vastly different direction. And he decided that he was going to give up the lifestyle that he had, which looked like a pretty good lifestyle from from my perspective, and fight back. And when you put people like that that fight, they come out and they don't have anything to lose. And he didn't have anything to lose or prove. He just was fed up. And so I think he looked at the parties and said, well, the Republican Party clearly represents more than the Democrat Party does from my perspective and what I want to see the country do. Look, he's challenged the Republicans just like he has the Democrats. Donald Trump is Donald Trump at the end of the day, um, and, and, and I'm glad he ran as a Republican, but he's trying to fix the country, not fix the party. He's calling out both sides when there is an era, and um, that's a healthy thing. And quite frankly, I got when I ran for office at 26 of the House of Representatives, I was full ready to take on everybody. But after being there 14 years, Clearly, I wasn't the same person. It's not to be that I, from my core, I, w- I wanted to change. But if you're up at the Capitol every day and you're seeing legislators every day and you're seeing lobbyists every day, you are removed from dealing the folks that you bumping into the grocery store that are fed up, mad, and, and and can't pay their bills. And so these folks that have been up there, one term, two term, the next thing you know, it's a decade. The next thing you know, it's three decades. Our forefathers never dreamed anybody would do that. The worst thing that ever happened to the United States Capitol was they put air in it so those jokers stay there year-round. They need to be up there sweating it out so yeah. they wouldn't, wouldn't want to stay there. But they put gyms in and cafeterias for them. I mean, they just continue to do it. I mean, if you look at the budget for just the lowest-ranking congressman, it's like six times what my budget was for lieutenant governor, and they have one-seventh of the state. And I had the whole state. It's like sevenfold for the lowest ranking congressman just what they get for their budget for staff it's yeah. so out of whack because the feds don't worry about where the money's coming from yeah absolutely i, I got paid 46 as lieutenant governor the congressman that represents again one seventh of the state makes like almost 190 before staff we it's just absurd where we're at with the federal level we not have we have got to get flawless, our but it's, I'm, I'm sorry go ahead not to say the state's not flawless but the, the problem now is one could argue, you know, you can out campaign. The money's gotten so heavy. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're out spending somebody a hundred million, 
to two or three million, and two or three million is still hard to raise at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. There's no contest. Why does McDonald's sell more hamburgers than anybody in the world? Because they advertise more than anybody. Yes, absolutely. You know, we have. It's an excellent point, Andre. We have got to get our fiscal house in order at all levels, but especially at the federal level. Let me ask you this question because we're we're about out of time. We just got a couple of minutes, but I wanted to ask you this question. You know, Donald Trump, very famously, it's been discussed a lot in the last week or so, a couple of weeks. He was elected 2016. He did not pursue Hillary Clinton. He said, no, it wouldn't be good for the country. I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> to borrow a line from George Bush, not going to do it. Um, and I think what we're seeing now are people on the other side of the aisle who have no compunction about pursuing him to the ends of the earth. They, they'd they love to put him in jail. Um, if, if Donald Trump is elected, how do you think he'll respond to all of this once he's in office? He knows he's only got four years when he gets in there the second time. And there's so many things he wants to fix. I think that's just going to be, it, 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 while he probably would like to do it, it's a utility in time. Yeah. And he's got to take those four years and do all he can to fix our country. And he did it with Supreme Court justices last time. Look, I got nominated, not only nominated, I went through full ambassador school, but never got confirmed by McConnell because Trump was pushing him to get all the judgeships he could confirm. And so I understand they, they prioritize judgeships over ambassadors, which probably makes good sense if you're trying to get your type of um, conservative thinking in there or at least in the middle of the road thinking and not heavily skewed to one way. And so I understand that. And so I, I think when he goes back in there, I'm a, this is purely thinking we haven't had that key and I have not had that conversation. But when you look at where we are from a world stage, when you look at where we are from debt, when you look at where we are from a border, I think the border is going to be front and center. I think there's so many fundamental things that really change this country. Look, people that do wrong things probably, not probably, should be uh, penalized. But at the end of the day, the the problems of our country are so much bigger than that. It's yeah. kind of like Gerald Ford gave Nixon a pass because he thought it was healthier for the I country. agree. Listen, Andre, we have got to run. We are sharp, flat out of time. Listen, thanks for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee, and please come back anytime. Thanks for joining us. Blessings. Y'all have a fabulous weekend. Thanks, Andre. Folks, let me leave you with this bit of wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Y'all have a great week. Be blessed, and join us next week for more Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.